<laughs> wow, that's great. Well, welcome everybody to uh, our Easter service. And I'm um, so glad to see all of you here. Those of you that are regular Oasis community people and those of you that are new with us and maybe those of you that were uh, harassed by your friend, I mean invited by your friend to, to come, we welcome you. <laughs> and uh, just glad that you're here with us. And um, before I get into the message, I want to let you know something because this is the first time that we're doing this in 35 years, but we're having a, taking a tour to Israel in the month of November. And so our, our deadline is in May, so I want to give the uh, biggest group a chance to check it out. So if you're interested, you could do a screenshot of this and, and check it out online and find out more about it. And uh, we just got to uh, make the final uh, choices by May. So a lot of times here at Oasis, we'll have guest speakers that add so much to the teaching and the ministry and just giving us a more of a, a balanced approach to the word. And a lot of times they come up and they show pictures of their family. I thought, what? I, n I never do that. So today I'm going to show you pictures of my family. Because <laughs> like I'm a guest or like you're one. So the first picture is my family right here. This is my lovely wife, Holly, you just saw, and my son, Jordan, and my daughter, Paris. And, and they are amazing and love them so much. And... Um, then the next one is my daughter's uh, husband, David Murphy, and his two daughters. And the little one is our newest grandbaby, uh, just a little over one year old. Her name is Justice. And then now there's a photo of her and her favorite human. <laughs> See how she's smiling? She's so happy. Maybe I'm in the top ten. And um, there's another... Uh, I have another son that, you know, I haven't really said much about, but I thought I'd just show you that today and take a look at this. <laughs> just kidding. That, that's Julian who you just saw up here. He's, he's a good friend and like a spiritual son and um, one of our main pastors here, so... <laughs> So for 35 years, there's a few things that we have put as our focus and continually tried to improve and deepen this focus. And one of it is, is um, being people-focused more than rule-focused. You know, the, the Word of God is true and real, but sometimes we... Um, disqualify people by our perspective of the word, but we want to love people. What I like to say is that we used to reach people and love people, but we switched it around. We want to love people and, and reach them. And so it's different when your motivation is because it's, it's having compassion, and, and maybe you'll hear more about that in what we're talking about today. And, um, and then just... Um, just the uh, desire to uh, be real, just be normal. Like, we're just all imperfect people. Like, just because you're on the platform doesn't mean that you're a better version of imperfect. We're just all imperfect, serving a perfect God. And so it means that we're all on the same playing field. I'm just on the platform, but we're the same place. And so... Um, 
one of the things I've always, always been passionate about is, like, I like to communicate or teach in a way so that people who maybe have never been to church before or just not familiar, that they know what I'm talking about. Because sometimes preachers, you know, we, we get going and we say things that sounds like it means one thing, but it really means something else. And, uh, and also, sometimes we say things that we're not even sure what it means, but we just said it for so long, we just say it, and everybody goes, amen. And so, uh, like, one of the things is... Um, Sometimes you'll hear a preacher go, come on, somebody. And what they're really meaning is, come on, everybody. <laughs> and they want you to uh, say, that's good, or clap their hands or something. So that's a clarity of what that means. And, and then I, I love this one. It's like, I don't, know if, who, uh, I don't know who this is for, but somebody here needs to hear that God is, has a greater love. You know? And so what that means is, it's probably for everybody, but I want you to decide it's for you. And so we, we have a little clarity there. So hopefully that helps you understand. But um, as we were celebrating our 35 years, then people would ask, like, how do you stay focused and passionate? And how do you keep going and, and persevere? And I think the main thing is the people's stories, you know, how people have learned or changed or found healing or just like the miracles of God's grace and love in our life. And, and we all are starting from a different place and just seeing that. But also one of the things that, that is so important are funny stories because when you're reaching people, people are just like, we, we got a lot of stories of, let me tell you what this that happened here. But I was thinking about this and, and just telling you one about my family. And uh, <clears throat> my uh, daughter, when she was about seven or something, she's in the kids' ministry, you know? She's in the kids. And, and so one, one of the volunteers were asking her to do something. She didn't want to do it. Like, preacher's kids think they're in charge. So she's like, um, my dad's the pastor, and I could get you fired. <laughs> yeah, really. So we heard about that a few days later. And so Holly, my wife, talks to her and said, Paris, that is not acceptable. That's not how we do things. Um, uh, you can't treat, you can't say that kind of thing to people. And so when you're in the children's ministry, you're not the pastor's daughter. You're just Paris. You're just like everybody else. You support the teacher and do that. So then a couple weeks later, another volunteer sees Paris and goes, hey, aren't you the pastor's daughter? And she said, well, I thought so, but my mom told me I'm not. Like, uh, let me explain what happened there because what had happened was she said something different. Easter is about resurrection. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus being the expression of God, our Father's love for us, and that he sent Jesus to be the Lamb of God to give up his life for us. Anything that we owed to God by our failures or anything that we would receive as punishment for sin and darkness and humanity, Jesus covered it. He's like, I got this. So he gave us life. He paid the price. And then by raising again, there, there's new life. He, he brought life to all of us. And so it's easy to think, well, that's great, but if you think about it, resurrection is important every week, so why, 
what is the significance of resurrection for me now? You know, like um, you might be going through a hard time in your life and you're thinking, well, that's great that 2,000 years ago he died and rose again and that one day I'll be with him in eternity, but what about now? Like I'm struggling in my relationships, my marriage or my health or I, I'm, I'm having a difficult time. And that's a legitimate question to ask. And, um, you know, I... I think that, you know, you could be going through this difficult time. You could be going through even just a time of uncertainty. Sometimes you get into a place in your life and you're, it's just like you feel stuck. It's like what used to be working in your life is not working now. Or you get this feeling like, okay, what's this next season? What are my next steps? What do I do? And it be, it, there's a kind of a lost feeling. Have you ever uh, you know, I was thinking about this this week, but, you know, the Apple products like the iPhone or the laptop, sometimes when you, you're asking it to do something, you get this little spinning colorful wheel that I guess is supposed to be entertaining. And it is for like three seconds. But when it goes on to 15, 20, then you go, okay, I'm stuck. There's something going on here. It's taking too long. And unfortunately, I've seen that circle way too many times. But, but sometimes that's how we are is that we, we're thinking that something should happen quicker than it does, or, we want, or we're waiting for an answer, and we're thinking, well, so how does this resurrection life help me today in the circumstances that I'm in? And, um, you know, um, I don't know who I'm talking about to today, but somebody needs to hear that there's a breakthrough coming. You can overcome because that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Let me tell you this, and that is you can worship your way out of the place that you're in now. You can worship your way out of confusion into clarity into now to your future, your new future that God has for you. And the theme today is no greater love. And the idea of that is there is no greater love shown to humanity as an example, as a standard than the love of God. There's no greater love that he's shown to us by sending Jesus to be that sacrifice. And Jesus said in John 15, this is my commandment or suggestion, but probably commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And in that we see there's an action there is no greater love than when you act because love acts. It takes action. Love accepts. Love values. Love releases. Love protects. Love pursues. There's action in it. And then we, um, we see that he said when you lay down your life for your friend. And I don't think he's setting the standard that we have to die for each other. But it is sometimes it's putting our own personal desires and needs second to someone else's needs who needs to be first. Somebody we need to show that action to. And so there's, that's the no greater love. And so I'm going to tell you three things in this message today. And one is greater love involves embracing God's love for you personally. We may have all heard this scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave us one and only sin. And so what I'm telling you is if you can insert yourself personally into, for God so loved you, for God so loved people, for God so loved people in L.A., for God so loved people in Oasis Church, 
you. And that we start embracing and recognizing that that love is real. Because see, we can uh, understand that theologically in our head, but sometimes we're not just, we're not feeling that we don't feel loved. It's like, I know you love me, but I'm feeling pretty alone right now. And um, it, it, it can be, sometimes it can be difficult. It's, sometimes that's hard to do because uh, you may have got an impression from Christianity, uh, a wrongly sent message from maybe people in the, in the media. You hear somebody just hating on people in Jesus' name or criticizing, telling everybody how they're wrong. And that's really not the heart of Jesus, not the heart of the Christian church. It's somebody's, somebody's theology, somebody's way of practicing their faith. But, um, and so you get enough of that, and you just, it sounds like just all the hate language out there also blends together. And uh, so it can be hard sometimes to go, how can I embrace the love of God with that? You might even be thinking about having a not-so-great relationship with your earthly father. You know, maybe your father was absent or abandoned you or um, critical or judgmental or aggressive or abusive, whatever it might be. And so when you say, you need to accept the love of God our Father. And you're like, eh, I don't know. And, and it might be easier for some of us to relate to Jesus more than it does to the Father. But it's the love of the Father who sent Jesus as this amazing gift so to show how much he loves us. You know, my dad, uh, his father left home uh, often, but when he was seven, my grandmother passed away. So my, son, my dad lived in orphanages, homes in different times and with uh, other families and with his siblings and different things. And so I could understand how he might have trouble embracing the love of the Father, although he was a faithful follower of Jesus. And, but we're talking about how something changes when the love of the Father connects with us and resonates with us. And he said, uh, Jesus said in John 15, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Say, remain in this love of God. Lean into it. Keep that alive in you. Remain in my love. Then he said, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Jesus was teaching principles for us to live by, wisdom from the Father, so that we could stay remaining in his love, connected with him, knowing how to honor God and to, to live a life that keeps his presence in our life. And here's another important thing that the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. You know, and I, I think about this, that it, it's not our failures, it's not uh, our um, mistakes, it's not our distance that God is not angry with that. There's nothing that separates us. And I thought maybe the only thing that could separate us from the love of God is our decision. Either we recognize and embrace his love for us like he loves me and that helps us get through. There's no demon. There's no sin that could keep you from his love. He loves you if you will turn and remain in him. I think it's so powerful. Our, our commitment as church leaders at Oasis is to reach people 
who have lost their way. And we want to help and, and disciple and teach and so forth, but we want to reach people. And haven't we all felt like we've lost our way at some point? And, um, you know, uh, it, it's just that, that effort to reach out to people and let them know that the love of God is there. <clears throat> I'm old enough to know that when we used to find out that children were missing and we wanted the help of the public, they used to put pictures on milk cartons. And so we'd have pictures of kids going, this kid is missing. And then they would put them in flyers that would come in the mail along with the little, you know, uh, newspaper magazines and all these little things that are junk mail. And we would he hear about that. And so I remember I would often get the mail and walk by the first trash can and I would throw the junk mail in the trash and then have the real mail that I need to answer or respond to and I'd take that over to, to the desk. And then one time it dawned on me, it's like you're going through, this is trash, this is trash. And then there's this thing, hey, all these kids are missing. And I was like, okay, trash. And then I thought, you know what? If my kid's face was on one of there, I would hope that people wouldn't just go, oh, well, you know, this is trash. And sometimes I think uh, I just don't want us as a church, a community that loves people to take lightly that people have lost their way. And I think the heart of the Father is, I, I want you to pay attention. I want you to let this message be clear in you and for others that, that I love you. You know, I was, uh, I was so inspired just a couple weeks ago when Tiger Woods uh, won the Masters. Uh, and think about that. The, the, it, the paper tells us that for 14 years was that he, he's won it a couple times. I don't know exactly how many, but he hasn't won it for 14 years. How many? Five? Five? Okay. So 14 years goes by, and some of you might be familiar. He went through health problems. He went through pain and relationship issues and, and all kinds of stuff that complicated his, his life and his skill. And then he came back, and it was a time where experts on golf would say, oh, he's, he's had his best, best days, we're never going to see that again. But he fought back, and I just thought, I think that happens to us when we realize God has not given up on us. He's on our side. He loves us. We haven't lost that call. We can keep going. Somebody needs to hear, right, that you can have a breakthrough. You can overcome. Don't let your failures or disappointments, your sorrows of the past keep you from knowing I'm still loved by God. I've been thinking about the things that are, uh, what really is important in life and what really matters. And um, what I mean by that is sometimes we, we, I realize I focus on things I shouldn't have focused on and didn't focus on things I should have focused on. And when you're looking through and reflecting things, I was like, you know, you, you, that becomes clearer and it, it's, um, Reality hits hard when you realize that just because you're doing more does not mean you're getting a lot more done. You're just busy. And we can keep busy in our life and miss out on the three very simple things I'm telling you today that are life-changing. And one is how much God loves us. And um, I think personal revelation about God's love for us changes our whole approach to life. And I really think about it, you know, I there are things when I look back I wish I could have avoided. And my personal theology is I don't think God 
puts pain on us. I don't think God makes people sick to teach them a lesson, or I don't think he messes up your life to get your attention. And, you know, we come up with these theological ideas. That's my, I don't, I don't believe that. But I do think that he leads us to places to use us in powerful ways that those kind of issues are possible along that way. In fact, maybe probable. And so he's told us, remember, as you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, don't fear because I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have not given up on you. I'm with you when you don't even know I'm with you. When we stop being impressed with the size of our problems and become more impressed with how much God loves us, then breakthrough is more possible. Second thing is greater love involves how we love others. The Apostle John told us we love each other because he first loved us. So when we get that realized personal recognition, well, he, he does love me. He loves me like I am. He, he created me a certain way with certain gifts, and, and somehow that frees us to love others. We see others out of that same thing. God loves you and made you a certain way, and, and we treat each other. And, and the thing is, to be able to love others in a way that impacts them, that they connect with, that they hear it, is complicated sometimes, isn't it? It makes all the difference in the world. It'll have, if you can love somebody in a way that they feel that, it has a dynamic impact on them, and I think it has a dynamic impact on you, because what's better than being loved, feeling valued, feeling special, and also being able to convey that to somebody that, that changes their perspective, their world, just like I am loved. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we try to be loving, but we're, it's not communicating. You know, we, there's a Christian author who wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And it's, for, you know, it's good for anybody, but especially in marriage and intimate relations, dating relationships. But the whole thing is, you know, you can say you love somebody by buying them gifts, but gifts is not their thing. It's like, well, gifts is my thing. I'd feel loved if I got a gift. And, but it's like, well, that's not mine. Mine's like affection, you know, hugging or touching. And, and so uh, Holly and I were talking about that. I was preparing for this message, and she goes, yeah. Because, like, if I think, you know, you need me to tell you I appreciate you, and I'm washing your car to show you, it's useless. She actually said that to me. <laughs> and so I said... Well, first of all, no. <laughs> Go ahead and wash my car. <laughs> and second of all, there is no second. I love that. No, but we're talking about how to communicate that. And since we have such a diverse church community, I looked up how do you say uh, I love you in different languages. And so... Because you could say, I love you, and if another person speaks a different language, they don't know. So in Spanish, it's te amo, right? And Italian, te amo. You have to hold your hand like that, I'm pretty sure. They, I know they do that for a lot of things. French, I always get this wrong. Je t'aime, thank you. More of you know that. Tell me in French. God bless you. Um, <laughs> Korean, um, halangye. What I, I, uh, Halange, something like that. Anyway, 
My love languages say you're doing really good. Thanks for trying. <laughs> Hebrew, I've never been able to get that right, but that's phonetically. Cheyenne. All right, in case there's any Cheyenne here. Nemahotesta. Swahili, Nakupenda. Indonesian is Sihale for Indonesian. And I see people over here sign language. I know sign language sort of like slang is I love you, like that. Or more formal, I used to do, I have a, a stepbrother who's deaf, so I used to learn this. I love you. Right? So, and if that doesn't make sense to you, then I love you. Okay? So, it tells us in Romans chapter 12, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Because love gets complicated. It's difficult, and so we can't just say, I love you, world. I love you, human beings. But connecting with people that are our friends, our family, our community. And it's a journey. We have to keep trying to communicate it in a way that matters. And, um, you know, a small gesture of love that lands can change the trajectory of someone's life. Sometimes it could even save a life. And then I think about things like what we say. I read something this week. It says, be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, but often not forgotten. So we think about, and then here's good advice. It says, love difficult people, because you're one of them. That's good. <laughs> now, when you're dating and when you're getting married, then it gets you know, like complicated times 20. And you're trying to, about 10 years ago, so there was a couple of movies. One was, uh, he's just not that into you. Wow. It was like five or six relationships. Crazy. There was a movie, Hitch. They're trying to teach you how to communicate and love people. And, and they're just like, marry people and the guy wants to have an affair or two people are dating and one wants to get married and the other thinks everything's fine they don't believe in marriage and then they're trying somebody's chasing somebody who doesn't want to be chased that's always fun but uh here one of the lines was after they realized this relationship was bad they go the only thing my girlfriend and i had in common is that we both loved her <laughs> what a horrible thing it's just like wow this is unhealthy <laughs> But see, love heals. Love brings empathy. Empathy is that you understand the feeling. You understand, you connect with that. And that leads me to love unites. So here's the point. In this world today, with racial tension and hate talk all over, it seems so intense. To me, it shows us that we lack empathy. And because if we would just listen to somebody with a different view, a different experience, a different culture, and say, well, tell me about your story or tell me why you feel like that. So many of us, we're so busy saying, I know what he really means, or I know why he did that, or she's thinking, you know, we, we're, we know people's motives. We don't have to know them. We just read inside. And, and it's just like, how about listening? How about just asking a question and not trying to argue, but just go, wow, what else? and understand, listening and understanding, like, wow, I had no idea. It unites people. It builds trust. 
And I'll tell you something in a close relationship. Uh, when trust is broken, that's an issue. You can love somebody and then trust is a whole other thing because you gain trust in drops, but you lose trust in bucketfuls. So that is a huge difference. Lastly, number three, greater love involves how we love God. So the first one is taking personally how much God loves us. Secondly is letting that love help us to love others. And thirdly, it's us loving back, loving God. You see, it's about leaning into that greater love, not leaning away from him. Pursue God like you mean it. You know, um, we know when we know what we want most, we know how to pursue it. We, we'll do anything for it. We don't care about the cost. It's only secondary. But I'm telling you, there's this greater love and that God deserves to be pursued. That is the expression of love. In Matthew 22, Jesus told us that best, the highest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That means hold nothing back. It's trust, trust him, yield, take a risk. Recognize how much he loves you. So in pursuing him, it's safe. It's safe to go to him. You have the right to love at a distance. But I'll tell you this, that we will miss out on the greater love if we hold back in giving him our greatest. There's a story in the New Testament, and I'll end with this. And it's uh, happened on Easter weekend. So the resurrection was on a Sunday. There was Passover on Friday, and Jesus met with the disciples and they had the Lord's Supper and the Passover meal. Jesus was betrayed and arrested. And then there's a story where the disciples are frightened, so they scatter. And Peter is trying to follow and find out what's going on, check it out. And so in Luke chapter 22, it says this, they arrested him, Jesus, they're talking about, and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined with them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I don't even know him. And what I want you to notice is, and many of us are familiar with this story, but I want you to notice what Peter was doing. He was following Jesus at a distance. And so he was leaning back. He was not leaning into it. And not only was he following it at a distance and trying to be hesitant and careful, and that he warmed himself for comfort at the fire of the enemy. When he was cold and, and uncertain and emotional, then he joined to warm himself in the wrong place. And so now when the temptation come that Jesus warned him about, he fell into it. And in my view, it's because he was following from a distance and warming himself at the wrong fire. And what I'm asking you to do, what I'm challenging you to do and encouraging you to do is to love him back with all your heart. Lean in to the love of God, your Father in heaven. And when you pursue greatest love of God, you will find character in the time of loss. 
courage when you are under fire, and compassion in seasons of weariness. And this is when we can realize that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It doesn't matter if you've been through the darkest time. It doesn't matter if you've been through the biggest storm. If it doesn't matter if you feel so alone, but you can know that God has promised you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. The Bible says that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and he can bring resurrection to your hope, to your vision, to your faith, to your life, to your relationships. Jesus is alive and he's alive in you. Let's give him praise, everybody.